0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, this is Ivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight... Nicholas Sparks is the author of The Wish, with over 100 million copies of his books sold, Nicholas Sparks is one of the world's most beloved storytellers. His novels include 16 number one New York Times bestsellers, and all of his books, including Three Weeks with My Brother, the memoir he wrote with his brother Micah, have been New York Times and international bestsellers and were translated into more than 50 languages. 11 of Nicholas Sparks' novels, Choice, The Longest Ride, The Best of Me, Safe Haven, The Lucky One, The Last Song, Dear John, Nights and Redemption, Anthony, the Notebook, A Walk to Remember, and Message in a Bottle have been adapted into major motion pictures. Nicholas last came on my show to talk about The Return, and now he's back to discuss The Wish. Welcome, Nicholas. Thanks so much for coming back on Mom's No Time to Read Books for the second time, this time to discuss The Wish.
1: Excited to be here! Thank you for having me. This is always fun.
0: <laughs> I like can't believe you already have another book out. Like I feel like we just were talking about the return, and now here you are again. This is amazing.
1: This, this is your this, this is, is your
0: pace. This is what you do.
1: This is what I do, right? I'm getting close to actually finishing my next one. By the way, I should be finished sometime in October. So oh my gosh! That's what you do if you try to write a book a year. Kind of means you have a a book every year. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess that that would do it, you know. (laughs) Well, last time we talked about The Return and this time we have The Wish, which is very different. I know last time you had talked a lot about the themes being love and mystery and I was wondering what your sort of positioning of this book was and if you could tell listeners kind of what it's about and then I'll chime in with more questions. Sure,
1: sure. Real short, you know, this was a novel that was really 20 years in the making and by that I mean it covered an idea or a theme that I kind of wanted to explore. I'd always wanted to write a story about a pregnant teenager who decides to give her baby up for adoption, All right? There've been a couple books about that, you know, movies like Juno and things like that. And I will tell you that probably starting in the late 90s, after I finished a walk to remember, and even before I wrote the rescue, that was book three and book four. I said, "Oh, let's let's come up with an idea for that, right? Let's come up with an idea for an, an adoption story or a pregnant teen story, so to speak." And couldn't come up with the idea, so I wrote the rescue. And then I finished the rescue. Tried to think of my next idea. I said, "Oh, let's cover that." Couldn't come up with the idea. Took about twenty years before the idea began to come to fruition. And it's funny because it kind of dovetailed with another idea that I always wanted to explore. And it's something that I think if you're an American novelist, you should explore. And that is, hey, got to write a Christmas story. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you gotta do it. look if you're an American novelist, look, you gotta do a dog story. I did that with The Guardian. Look, Stephen King, he did it with Cujo, right? You gotta do a dog story, but you also have to do a Christmas story, like Grisham has done a Christmas story. And you know, you want to do something like that. And and strangely, it was suddenly thinking about these two ideas: hey, a pregnant teen and Christmas. And little by little, the story began to gel in my mind. And there we go. And we're off to the race. And
0: then when did you bring in the cancer patient who has like a YouTube channel?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was a little bit modeled after my sister, but I thought it was in a way it ratcheted up the meaning of, of my Christmas story in that you know, and and I'm not really ruining for anyone who's worried am I ruining the book all this is in the flap by the way and you pretty much learn all of this within the first couple of pages so you're not so I'm not really there are no spoilers here but if it's your very last christmas and you know it's your last christmas what would you do what do you do how do you make that special and what does that even mean and so the book is a little bit of an exploration of that And again, of course, then you find a way to dovetail that into the particular story. Now, the the why's I choose, the why I chose certain things. And of course, every novel is just a series of 10,000 decisions. Yeah, I probably have answers, but yeah, we don't have to kill the magic. Why don't we just enjoy
0: the story? (laughs) Well, I love how you tell it like it's Maggie telling the story and she's telling it to Mark in the book. And then you flash back. And so then it becomes the, you, the author, like telling us the story as a narrative, but you know that you're really supposed to be pretending that like Maggie is telling us the story. And then you go back and forth. And sometimes I'm like, aren't they getting tired? Like, (laughs) like they need to take a break. She's been telling the story for so long. Like they might, you know, for me to read it or whatever. I mean, not in a bad way, like just that it's so much drama and, It feels like it's a lot to take in when you're going back with her and, you know, her pregnancy and her aunt and, I mean, 15, holding the teddy bear. I mean, this is crazy young. I can't even, I have 14-year-old twins. The idea, like, literally, I'm like, could you just make your own sandwich? Like, the idea of having a baby when, like, you can't even put the cheese back in the fridge is, like, I don't know, unthinkable.
1: It, right. And it was unthinkable to her. And I, you know, she was a, actually a very fun character to write in many ways. Of course, I have daughters as well. Mine are now 20. How old are they? 21. So are 20. They're 20 this year. And so, yeah, I remember a little bit of the melodrama and I don't necessarily mean just girls, but I mean, teenagers in general. There's a little bit of melodrama. So when something is bad, it's it's awful. You know, nothing, if it's really bad, nothing has ever been worse for anybody in the in the long history of the world. This is it. This is the worst. And so it's really fun to explore a character that begins her story in that tone and then to watch her, let's say, mature a little bit, because quite simply, She's forced to, and she has no choice but to mature.
0: And even the fact that it has to be a secret, and I know this happened so much now, you know, 23 and Me; these things are, it's a lot harder to keep a secret these days. I mean, I can't, you know, with Instagram and everything, the idea that somebody could like go off and have a whole child is, seems further fetched than I feel like it was just last generation where she could go off mm-hmm. and do that. But just the the shame or the, yeah, just this corrosive effect of not living the life that is actually your real life. I'm not saying that very well, but how a person has to go through life carrying that weight and what it does to them is so interesting.
1: It is. And and of course, uh, in this story, right, she's a, from a nice, very Catholic, very Catholic family. And so, so you know, abortion is just not even an option. And, you know, it was okay, probably in their minds, because most of the story occurs, or I'd say half of the story occurs in about 1996. And, okay, what would you do? You send her off far, far, far away for a few months, assuming that, you know, most teenagers, the ones, let's say, at her school are wrapped up in their own lives. And when she gets back, they probably will barely have noticed she was gone in the first place. And that was the plan. And of course, I won't tell you how it ends, but of course that was the plan. And you're right. It's probably harder now to have this happen. Although I do know very Catholic families here who have been kept things remarkably quiet. Interesting. Simply by having them go live somewhere else, remarkably quiet. Like, truly only a couple of people know. And you're like, wow, they pulled that off. That was amazing.
0: Wow. I loved the detail by the way, where you have Maggie spot like Sylvia Plath and Elizabeth Berg novels by her bed. I'm like, are you friends with Elizabeth Berg? Is that why you put that in? I was just wondering.
1: <laughs> I, I'm you know what I'm a big fan of her work. I think she <laughs> I think she writes with a a really wonderful emotional authenticity. And I find the voices of her characters really resonate with truth and uh, just this real, they feel very genuine to Mill. They they feel very authentic, more so than than many writers, in fact. And I've just always thought she was exquisite and extraordinary.
0: Does she know she's in your book? No, probably not
1: unless she reads it. unless she reads it's only a line i know but
0: still you know i don't know maybe when you're such a well-known author it doesn't give you that same thrill but i was excited even just to, i don't know I, I would think she would want to know i'll tell her
1: <laughs> okay, i'll tell, tell her. her you tell her I'll tell her and if you do tell her i'm a huge fan i think she's just extraordinary
0: oh, that's so nice that's awesome i love how everyone in the author community is like it's such a nice community i i doubt this is what other industries are like i can't imagine people in. but anyway it's just uh, this instinct for authors to lift each other up is really awesome, in general. But anyway, and what about the whole photography piece of this book?
1: Yeah, I love photography. It's a hobby of mine, and I'm an I'm I'm a hobbyist. I can't say I'm an avid hobbyist, and I can't say I'm anywhere close to a professional. But I can say I enjoy it, and and I have taken some lovely photographs over the years, and. And, and there's something very wonderful about it. I, I have absolutely no desire really to learn the ins and outs of, of Photoshop or Lightroom, which is really these days where the art of photography comes in. So with that said, I can only be so good. I can only be good up to a point, but I can never, ever be great. But but there is something extraordinary about, extraordinary about trying to capture what you're actually seeing and then get it right in the camera so that it's it's reflective of what you're seeing and and there's something very artistic about that entire process and and I love that and you know it, it it was this it was an element I suppose that dovetailed all the way through the novel and it was a theme that resonated from one story until the next and and of course I tried to be very realistic with her photography career which you know uh, she's yes she has a gallery but it's really not I mean, <laughs> there's a famous artist in the gallery who lets her put her her stuff on the walls oh okay. <laughs> You know, it's about it counts, that. It, it can't. <laughs> that's, that's in her mind. Hey, I've got my own gallery, right? Of course. And and then there's a little bit of sadness there about kind of the reason now why she's selling a lot of photographs. And it's because, you know, people see her on YouTube and she's talking about her diagnosis and they want a souvenir. And you're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to sell these as souvenirs, I, I want to sell them because they're art, mm-hmm. right? But you, you do what you can do. But she, I think, in 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 the novel, she threads that me need, that needle emotionally and and professionally very well.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about Maggie being in part inspired by your sister, and I know last time we talked about your very tragic losses of your parents, and I'm so sorry, and your sister's illness and everything. So, tell me, can you can you talk a little more about what? pieces of that? You you know,
1: you know my sister's final years, of month, the final years of life, and she was young, she was about 33, I would go and visit her. And sometimes I would just see her standing in the kitchen and looking out the window, and she wouldn't be saying anything. And there's really nothing out the window to really see. I mean, it's, it's the same thing that's there all the time. And, you know, it was like, there was a parade out there, or fireworks going off, you know? And I would, in those moments, I would wonder what she was thinking. And if you knew you only had X amount of time, you see the world a little differently, but also sometimes when you're looking, I have the sense you don't see anything at all, except visions of your own life. And I think my sister went through that. And I tried to capture that with, with Maggie as well, you know, because everybody, you know, it is part of the human condition to to have regrets, to wonder about different paths you could have taken in life and where they might have led. You might question why this is happening, but also who and why you are the person that you are today. You might feel that there's unfinished business in some places, whether with a family member, and you know I, I try to capture all of that with maggie not in an overdone melodramatic way that's meant to wring tears but just more a part of maggie's human and and these are very human things and in situations like that there there are no right and wrongs it's less of things are going to come uh, emotions and thoughts and And in some ways, we take them for a ride and see where they lead. So I wanted to explore that concept. And so I did.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. And did you ever talk to your sister about it, about those moments or?
1: No, sometimes that, well, yeah, I would ask, what are you thinking? And sometimes she would answer and sometimes she wouldn't. And sometimes I wouldn't ask. I had the sense that there were moments when there were very personal moments to her. And I wanted her to have them for for herself because it seemed to be what she needed at the time. You know, there's the terrible thing, you know, with my sister, of course, is she was so very young. And it's a terrible thing, you know, she had a brain tumor. And at the same time, you know, you had a little bit of a chance to say goodbye. But what does that mean? How do you say goodbye for a month? It's it's a tricky, tricky thing. And and of course, in the novel, you have Mark and Maggie navigating those waters as well.
0: Oh, I'm like continually just moved by how you take the events of your own life, but then sort of mix them up and put in like the heart of it into your books, right? It's like you're working through it in each book that you write. It's like you work through another piece of the puzzle.
1: Sure. I, I think that's important, right? I it's important, to, of course, depending on what kind of, of novel that that you're writing. And you know, I try to write novels that, you know, evoke genuine emotional authenticity. And to do that, you know, I think the writer has to be very honest and, and the writer has to be, I guess, perceptive enough to not only know what one is, what a character might be thinking or feeling, but then the best way to describe that in a way that that, that doesn't feel manipulative. And, you know, that is the whole writing process. It's one of the reasons why these, these, uh, these novels are very challenging to write. It's really easy to go one, one sentence too far. And yet if you don't go far enough, it's not gonna quite work. So it's just that literally every step along the way, every section or every page or certain, sometimes there there are are sections of those novels that, you know, it, it goes, it's every paragraph or sometimes every sentence and you gotta get those just exactly right.
0: Wow. Wait, so at the beginning you said to be, you know, every great novelist should write a Christmas story and a dog story. What else is on the list? Well, those are the big ones. That's it? Just those two? <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I mean, those are the big ones, right? Uh, and of course, I think those are that's just my opinion. But look, Charles Dickens, he's gonna win. He's got the all-time greatest Christmas story. <laughs> a Christmas character. He wins. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and stipulate that right up front. But you know, you have these other stories, you know, the ones that maybe you you watch with your kids or the ones that bring you joy, White Christmas or Elf, or you know, a Christmas story, Ralphie and the BB gun, or shoot, last year they had a cute Q1 holiday right? You get these, 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 these shows that deal with the theme of Christmas and in one way or another, and you, you find yourself looking forward to the next holiday season when you're like, Oh, I want to watch that again. You know, even because perhaps there's nostalgic reasons or things like that. So those are the two big things. I don't know that there's a third. I, I really don't that, that if you're a novelist an American novelist, American novelist. okay. An American but novel, I right? To... Because- Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, when when we start reading, right? Anybody, among the first books that people read, you know, there are things like Where the Red Fern Grows mm-hmm. or Old Yowler, right? Or Call of the Wild. I mean, dog story, dog story, dog story. You know, and I read those books when I was third, fourth, and fifth grade, essentially. And, you know, those were very, for whatever reason, formative books. And uh, certainly they- instilled within me a love of reading. And if you don't have a love of reading, you're never going to become a a writer one day. And maybe I'm just fond of dogs, love cats too, but you know, these, these were the formative books when I was at that very young eight, nine and 10 and looking for that. Wow. This story is so great. You know, it just, you know I think there's something to that. So
0: why did you not market this like as a Christmas book and have it come out at Christmas time and all of that? Oh, it will be.
1: Uh, it will be. <laughs> so how it works in publishing, you know, long, 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 long story short, is that probably about 40% of books that are sold during the year are sold really in, in, in the weeks from Thanksgiving through Christmas, right? And so the bigger you are as a best-selling novelist, the further away from Christmas they put you because they want you to stay on the list all the way through. Oh,
0: interesting. Okay.
1: And so so I'm pretty much the furthest out because they're pretty sure this will last through Christmas. And yeah, it's a Christmas story in a way, but it's, it's, it's just a good story and you can read it at any time. Look, if you read it at the beach that, you know, or something over in September, you're going to love this story. And, It's got something for you.
0: So you've been doing this for so long and you have this book that already your team is convinced will be on the best list for weeks and, you know, months. Months, And yet you're still doing publicity for the book. Like you're still on this podcast with me and like, I'm sure, you know, doing all tons of other stuff. Like, do you ever want to just be like, you know, I think it's going to be okay. You know, do you ever want to be like,
1: (laughs) Yeah, to a certain. I mean, I'm extent. glad uh, personally
0: you're not because I'm de- I'm having a delightful time and I love it. But you know, for your own sanity.
1: Well, you know, tours are th- there's pros and cons to a tour. First, I consider myself very fortunate that I'm able to go on tour. You know, many authors, authors don't. But it's also nice to meet readers, right? I Iso- writing can be a very isolating profession. You know, when I'm writing a novel, it's not like I'm doing it in a crowd or I have coworkers or we're taking a break at the water cooler and things like that, it it can be very isolating. And I can say that, you know, I've learned quite a bit from going to events over the years among the questions that I ask, hey, uh, what what was your favorite book? And which was the first book that you read? And, or I say your your couple oh, you don't know how to pick one, pick two or three. And it's interesting to me because sometimes it triggers in me thoughts along the line you know what i haven't done one with a young character lately maybe i should do that again of course and that led to the wish right i had done a walk to remember early on and then 10 years later i had done the last song which was also a teen story and i think it was you know on tour a couple of years ago and they said oh yeah a teen story i'm like yeah that's right i haven't done one of those in a while and of course then you mix in you know Christmas, you mix in adoption, and there we are with, with this story. So you can learn things from from your readers, and people are very kind. If, if, if tours were miserable, I wouldn't go on them, but people are so nice, and they're so excited, and you get photos with them, and it's, it's wonderful that, that they take time out of their day to come say hello. I mean, I'm, that's very meaningful to me.
0: Wow. So basically, you use your book tour to get all your other ideas. You could just be, you yeah. could just be honest <laughs> about it. <laughs>
1: Not all of them, but but it no, is <laughs> but it is interesting, right? You know, you because I, you know, I'm familiar with these books in a certain order, right? Starts with a notebook, then message, then walk straight down the list. But it's always amazing to me how many people read them. Oh, what was the first book you read? The Lucky One. Wow. Then I went back to A Walk to Remember, and I just read The Return. I'm like you're all messed up, <laughs> and, but you know, it's nice, you know, but that's always interesting to me. And of course, that's more, that's more common than the the people who've been reading me for the last 25 years to read them absolutely in order, but it, it's interesting. And it is, it is important to know which ones people like the best. And and that's, that that's helpful too.
0: So if you could change something about the publishing industry, what would it be? Hmm, I,
1: yeah. Boy, that's a huge question, right? <laughs>
0: Just thought I'd throw it in at the end there.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, well, well, I can say that I get so much joy from hanging out in bookstores. And I love the process of going through shelves and trying to find something. And then when, and you don't always do it, but sometimes you find something that no one had told you about and you hadn't really heard, but something about it catches you and you read it and you think it's amazing. It's, it's like discovering buried treasure. And I've always loved that feeling. And so if, if there's one thing more, something one thing to change, hey, more bookstores, right? But I don't know whether that's gonna that's that's gonna happen. I mean, I'm fully aware of the online stuff. And hey, I think online is great for buying. It certainly is very easy and very convenient. I still don't find it as good for browsing, mm-hmm. so to speak, to be able to to pick up the book, see how big it is, how thick it is, what's the font size, you know you can skim through the flaps so easy and put it back and, and 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 things like that i just find that very convenient and you know i just love bookstores so hey more bookstores but what can we do right
0: can i always do something
1: not everyone is like <laughs>
0: Awesome. Okay. I know I asked last time, but advice to aspiring authors before you go, do you have any?
1: Advice to aspiring authors. Yeah. You got to read a lot. And I think you got to read in a variety of genres. For instance, if someone wants to write like me, and I'm certainly not recommending that they do, but if they do, uh, you can't just read my books. You have to read what I read. And like, if you take something like The Return, my novel last year, Unless you'd read a lot of mysteries, you couldn't have written that book, Mm -hmm. for instance. So you got to read a lot and read in a variety of genres. And you have to read with an eye toward what does an author do well and what does he not do well, what's done particularly well. Why is it done particularly well? And you can do all that on the second read. The first time through, you should just enjoy a book. But the second time, you should figure out why you enjoyed that. That's if you're trying to learn. And then, of course, step number two, if you want to be a writer, you got to write. Mm -hmm. And, And that's it. And I think that if there's one thing you concentrate on, it is capturing voice. And voice is is where I start with my novels. And what is voice? It's how a character sounds. It's when they're thinking. It's how they sound when they speak. It's their actions that they do. And all of this goes to telling you who a character is. And the more original a voice is, both original but also universal, that you feel like, oh, my gosh, this, this sounds like I used to sound kind of, when I was a teenager or something like that. um, You concentrate on voice and, you know, you can do good voice in two pages. And so start with capturing the voice after you've read an awful lot. And, you know, once you've been trying your hand at writing, then start with voice and then keep going in the story. If you have a good voice, odds are people are going to be interested in your book. I
0: hope so. (laughs) Might need a new job if if that's not working for you.
1: (laughs) Well, I had a job when I was writing The Notebook, for sure. I'm
0: I'm obviously kidding. And is this going to be a movie?
1: Probably, but we'll We'll see. see.
0: Okay. All right. Well, Nicholas, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate your time.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.